0: You know, you know what the issue was, by the way, with my my friggin' mixer. No mixer? idea. Uh, don't curse. Is um so because it's all MIDI <clears> and it's all it's all software driven. Yeah. There was a parameter that that says like initial track, and it was set to eleven instead of zero. Oh nice. I've never I've never changed that setting, not
1: once. I like that it was set to eleven though.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, it was it was turned up to eleven. Aha! Uh-huh. But seriously, folks, like when you have a template for the for the project files and you're and and you don't change the settings and you also use this thing as a toy for not just podcasts but for the other BS stuff that I do on my own, pretending like I can sing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's and 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 that's all fine and the podcasts are all fine and then you open it up and you say okay well let's let's make another one and then it just doesn't work i don't get it nothing and this computer by the way i don't want to i don't want to mention anything about a vulnerability but like i don't update this computer cuz it's a hackintosh nothing changes mm. nothing it's frozen it's frozen in, in whatever version of high sierra it has and uh i just can't like that that ability That the ability for me to basically peel off a new podcast is extremely valuable to me, and I'm sure it is to other content creators. And the fact that you have a template, you have a device, the settings are exactly the same, they just don't keep working even though you don't change the settings, it boggles my mind. It's not like some analog mechanic machine, you know, that just like eventually, like your car, it will eventually stop working for a variety of reasons, but there's a ton of moving parts. This is software.
1: Well, it has – software has thought-moving parts, though. It's like it's super easy. This is
0: not that intelligent. I got the low – and this is a Behringer Chinese low-cost fake digital mixer. This Mm -hmm. is not at all – if you walked into any real recording studio or anybody that's, let's say, a successful podcaster, they wouldn't have this. They'd have a real uh, uh, MIDI control surface. But I have – I mean, I don't know what it is. Because it's all stored. It's not even like it's stored on the device. It's all stored in Logic on my computer. Logic the program yeah. on my computer.
1: Not the rapper. And not Logic. It's not stored. You didn't store it in Bobby Logic the rapper. I don't think you did. No. No, I didn't.
0: Um, and I, I wish I had a reference for that, but I really don't because I'm too white. Um, anyway, so uh, we were talking about... <laughs> how do we get on to talking about guitars? Uh, I can't remember.
1: Well... <laughs> Oh, we were talking about microphones. How did we segue from this? It was, it was oh, choice microphone. and choice Oh, microphones. So you finally got a new
0: microphone.
1: Yeah, finally got one that actually has low background noise as a default. It's not, it's not just that it has
0: low background noise. Is that it has a very even kind of tone to your voice, and it's not that heavily, that extremely sensitive and heavily wavering sound of a
1: condenser mic. Yeah, uh, when you get too close is, to, a, to a condenser mic, the S's are crazy. This, like the sibilance is out of control. Well, yeah, it's the
0: proximity effect is much more amplified on those types of microphones, but you can definitely use that to your advantage. It's not for radio, though. If you notice, radio shows and now successful podcasts, they either have the SM7B, which is what I use, but not for that reason. It's because when I'm on a cardioid mic, my my voice sounds like half an octave higher. So the SM7B adds a little bit more, let's say, uh, balls to my voice, hmm. which really, really kind of have, because you don't want to listen to me just talking like this for an hour. You
1: know what I'm saying? Which I suppose is why they used. that's probably why they use, why that they for use it Michael for Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson. Yeah, almost <laughs> certainly.
0: Yeah, um, but the other one is the uh, the mic that I, that I, I uh, told you to look at, which is the Electro Voice, Electro Vox RE20, which is the Stevie Wonder mic, and I do really like that microphone, and it. it has a built-in pop screen, and if you've ever seen Sorry? I
1: don't even think I've seen that microphone. they not have a I was just going to say, if you've mic.
0: ever seen – it's actually a very standard broadcast radio mic. They're gray, and they have the slits on the side, but they're not side address. They're only front address. Uh, if you've ever seen, like, Howard on, you know, the, that E! show he used to have or whatever they filmed his radio show of doing mm-hmm. – the, the the guests would always have that R E twenty mic and it's because it has a very consistent level, it has virtually no proximity effect, and it has something called, and this is not a euphemism. It might be the reason why Howard picked it up uh, a dynamic D or heavy D. <clears throat> and it's a it's a switch. It's a toggle on the bottom of the microphone that amplifies the internal base response of whatever the signal is, and it's not necessarily I guess it's like an inline filter, a ser- an in series filter, but it's not necessarily, you know, it's not like another device. So
1: what's up with the screen on the side? What's the what's the point of that screen on the side? Does it do anything or
0: maybe it just ventilates air out to make it easier on the diaphragm. It's similar to the SM7B in that it's a large diaphragm dyna- dynamic microphone that has virtually no proximity effect and a very even tone, which is part of the reason why a lot of broadcast radio outlets, studios have them. Um, and they also allow just anyone who gets, you know, on the mic and they get really close, they just kind of sound more important than they really are. Yeah. And, uh yeah. I don't have. Uh, one of my friends has that actually. My friend Luch, who has an actually successful podcast, and I've been on that a couple times, uh, and he's been on Poll Request once. Uh, he let me borrow an extra mic of his, and I used it for a week, and it was great. I really would love it. It's uh, a little bit more expensive than the SM7B, but I don't really have a reason to buy it right now because I've got this guy. Mm. So, but but longer story short, so we were talking about microphones, and then that segued into. Uh, The reason why I have the SM7B is like the same reason why I don't have uh, a a Gibson SG, even though that's a very standard type of guitar to have for someone who's been a hobbyist for over a decade, which is, you know, a a, a Gibson SG is a really good guitar, and I love the way it plays, but it's very mainstream, and it's just kind of bog standard at this point. It's not the seventies, you know. We're not
1: Jimmy Page. So I actually, um, I actually went the other way on guitars. So because we were well, both... wait, wait,
0: wait, hold on. Uh. So let me let me make let me bring it around to make my point, which I've been working on as a podcasting skill by the way. Oh okay. Uh, which which is that the reason why I have the SM7B? Or did I mention this already? It adds more balls to my yeah. voice. Yeah yeah, yeah 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 yeah. It's a little bit more nuanced than just oh, it's the bog standard semi professional podcast microphone. It's the fact that I the, it it really helps the dynamics of my voice. Uh, for radio, for talking, and in fact, I have the, the the mic I used to use, which is a condenser mic. I still use that if I'm doing vocals uh, for for not you know for not talking. But this really does help, and I've noticed there's a big difference. Like I actually sound I sound younger on a condenser microphone mm. than I do on on the dynamic mics. But the thing is, is that you know when you're listening to me talk, like I said, you don't want to hear some teenager talk, even though I'm over thirty.
1: I had so. a. I have a microphone I really I miss that I got rid of. It wasn't even that expensive, but it was. Um,
0: I mean, my cardioid isn't that, or my condenser isn't that expensive. It's an Audio Technica. It was like two hundred twenty bucks.
1: Yeah, yeah. I had a I had a Sterling st fifty five, and I recorded a few things on that. And I remember that microphone sounding amazing. And then I I was like moving or something, and I, I sold it. And I've recorded other things since, but I'm still miss how that microphone sounded. Probably shouldn't have gotten rid of that microphone.
0: Yeah. You know what microphone I really miss from my childhood? We yeah. got the Packard Bell microphone that came with our Packard Bell PC in 1996.
1: You mean like the and it, the one that looks it, like it's for taking fast food orders?
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it was like this white thing that came on a little very thin that came on a stand. Yeah. It came with, you know, it, w- it was paired with the monitor that had speakers that you screwed onto the side.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I can see uh, that microphone in my head.
0: Those were the day, de- And I used to, what I used to do is drape it over the top of my desk and hang it upside down and pretend like I was a professional singer. Nice. Because I was like, oh, you know, the real people, that's how they sing is from the mics that hang down. Yeah. And I didn't want to do this, you know, yeah. Uh, anyway. And, you know, 20 years later, here's where we are. <laughs> Here we are uh speaking of that i've actually um i watched the blues brothers 2000 for the first time last night Uh, and i don't know if you've seen it it is a horror i have
1: i think i saw the original blues brothers
0: the original one is on my list of short list of favorite movies of all time it is a F and fantastic movie. It really is. In every way, shape, and form. And that movie gets better, much like how In Rainbows got better when uh, Radiohead released King of Limbs, the original Mm. Blues Brothers, while a great movie, while an already great movie, gets even better when you listen to the Blues Brothers 2000, because you realize that John Belushi actually added a lot more than just what Dan Aykroyd wrote for him you know mm-hmm. and and it was his personality and his attitude that really helped elevate the film to beyond much further beyond what the blues brothers 2000 film was which used john goodman who ironically was trying to get over his midwestern accent which is you know mm. i don't know Anyways, yeah, I imagine. it also was a, it was a, it was a, one of those screwball 90s movies instead of like an art piece from the 70s
1: yeah. I mean John Meluscio's just a wild a wild personality. It's like it's hard to um it's hard to imagine. Well, I mean Dan Aykroyd and John anything.
0: Landis wrote the wrote the original Blues Brothers and they wrote the sequel. From what I understand if you want I can go back into that Chicago accent. I don't know how that sounds over the phone. Mm. Uh but um from what I understand they had a tiff with Universal who you know the studio mm-hmm. uh which are now owned by Comcast and uh Universal said oh we want this to be basically a kids movie with music not some adult film with music and they did, and remember the original Blues Brothers was rated R yeah and this the blue, Blues Brothers 2000 is rated PG so you can bring uh. the whole family over to the theater and watch it Get, it was a it was a That
1: horror. sounds terrible.
0: And it just And it has so much, like, 90s cliché characters and plot in it. And it's what I I loved. There was a lot of subtlety to the humor in the original Blues Brothers movie, especially at the time, like, before all of the self-referential stuff became popular, which started in the 90s Mm -hmm. with the Larry Sanders show, Gary Shanley. So by the time that they made uh, the Blues Brothers uh, the Blues Brothers 2000 that stuff isn't good. They need, you know, he needs to amp it up. And he didn't. He went the other direction. from what, And like I said, Universal apparently, allegedly, made a ton of demands that they decided to just adhere to so they can get the money for the film. Uh, and it was to their detriment, except for the musical acts. Because the musical acts were great... Uh, they had Urethra Franklin again, like she was in the first one, mm-hmm. and she sang she sang Respect instead of Think, but it wasn't. The, everybody sounded they were just older, and you could tell they kind of had arthritis, and they were just you know it's not it's not like even even Urethra she wasn't she wait, wasn't wait, as wait, wait, punchy wait, 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 as she
1: wait, wait, was. Wait, 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 did you you did it as a joke or what? Urethra Franklin. <laughs> Maybe. I was trying to see
0: how long I could keep that going without <laughs> you saying anything.
1: I mean, okay. I like I blew over it the first time and I'm just like, alright, alright. And then the <laughs> second time I'm like, this is uh this is a thing. Yeah. yeah.
0: But the thing but like the her the her version of uh her ver- she did think in the original Blues Brothers movie and she did respect in the, in the Blues Brothers 2000, but the version of think that she does in the 1979-1980 Blues Brothers movie is like, as I said at the Wolfpack show a couple weeks ago, 20% faster mm-hmm. than the original, and respect is not. And there's not that nice segue of like you know they're in the uh, very stereotypical but still highly effective musical segue where they have a uh, a leading scene and they say some word they say a line that then leads into the into the song. Like she wasn't there was no way she was like that in the Blues Brothers two thousand.
1: No. Yeah, and they, was like, they were in a restaurant in the original movie. I remember that scene.
0: Yeah, and she sold it to um, get a car dealership. So she's still married to Mac Guitar Murphy. Now, they tried their best to get everyone who was in the original movie and then all the people that they left out. So the original movie had, they said, like like six or seven musical acts, and the, the Blues Brothers 2000 had 18. And they had a bunch of people in it, despite being a really bad movie plot-wise – and, and and comedically, they had a bunch of uh, really really good musicians in it that I had honestly thought had passed away by 1998, like mm. uh, like Wilson Pickett and Billy Preston was there. Um, who else? There was a, there were a couple of other people that I just, I didn't even realize, like uh, uh Sam Moore from Sam and Dave. Was in it. Uh, he was a preacher with with James Brown, who they brought back from the original movie. But James Brown, he just you know, he was sounded older and he was slower, and it just it's not the same. It, it's not the same, and the jokes were a little too on the nose. And uh, He's like a I said, too they lost and that subtlety a
1: whole lot less cocaine fueled than he was. In his but you know, days. It, it, it's
0: kind of funny because I read that uh, as one of the criticisms. It's like, oh yeah, they they left the cocaine humor for the family friendly humor, but. As a as a hyperactive or as in hyper as a hyperactive spaz, uh, I never thought about the fact that they were doing they were they were on uppers during the entire movie. I was just like, oh, that's how they are because that's how how much energy I have. And uh, (laughs) yeah, yeah, totally. I didn't think about the fact that they were just kind of you know and cut. (laughs) I I never thought about that. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, Uh, but that's why I,
1: I I can't do that stuff
0: anyway. All right. Yeah, yeah,
1: let's do, like, the actual episode.
0: This has been the Pneumonium Production. The views and opinions expressed on pull request do not necessarily reflect those of Pneumonium LLC or its subsidiaries.